on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. To the entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out if they're an entrepreneur that is disrupting, something I think that's really important to think about is, you know, those of us that can see the future, we have an idea and the 99% of your industry or your sector that doesn't think that's a good idea, you know, they could be right, but they could also be wrong. Right. And you, you really kind of have to be a little self-aware and a little delusional, you yeah. know, when you're going after, you know, a big vision. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. Today, I've got Carson Combs on the King stage. My brother, Carson, how are you? I'm wonderful, Chaz. How are you this morning? I'm good. I was just uh, going back and forth with you. We've, we've got deer season that's amongst us. You were just hunting with your son, and I'm going to take my little kiddos out here this week here in Missouri. And so, tis the season is my is the way I say it, right? Yep. Bam- Bambi's dad. <laughs> Bambi's dad. Exactly. In fact, I'll take grandpa too. You know, he's probably yeah. bigger and burlier and, uh, and he's, he just needs help anyway. That's right. Going to the end. So anyway, I'm just excited to have you here, Carson. Tell us what kind of business that you have. Yeah, no, great. And excited to be here too, Chaz. Really appreciate the insight and help into other entrepreneurs. I think that's something that we all have. Rising tides, you know, all exactly. boats rise. So our company is called Zenbuild. It's zenbuild.com. And what we built, my wife and I started at our kitchen table many years ago, uh-huh. and we brought e-commerce into an industry that's operated the same way for a hundred years plus, which is a brick and stone products. And when we started, it was literally at the table, the dog was barking, the kids were little, and we were shipping samples out of our garage to different parts of the country. Fast forward, we had built out, rebranded, launched a new site in 2019, brought in some capital. Can it continue to grow? And we've shipped uh, majority of our products are kind of thin brick and thin stone for anything from multifamily commercial projects to a homeowner that's doing a fireplace or backsplash. Wow. And so we've hit every state in the country. We have the joy of, of talking to, you know, sweet little homeowners. It's their first project to, you know, master craftsmen, you know, who do this every day. And so it's been a, a wild ride and lots of fun. Yeah, I wild ride is probably an oversimplification for sure, but we're going to get into some of that. Before we do, though, I got a question for you. It's really more so around, you know, maybe your purpose or your why, but at this stage in the game, you kind of just gave us a little bit of the backdrop, right? You had, you had young kids. They've obviously gotten older. You've built a great business. I'm sure you have a great team. There's a lot of things in place, but you're still going after it. Just a couple of years ago, you rebranded, you brought in some capital, like you're really going for this thing but you yep. already had success. You're already there, quote unquote, maybe. Why are you still doing this? Why are you pushing so hard? Well, I think, you know, I think that personally, you know, I'm not speaking for, for others. I have so many friends that are entrepreneurs that have, have built businesses. Some have sold them, you know, some are still in them. And I think when it comes down to it, is it about the money? Yeah, but it's really about something bigger. And that bigger portion is 
you know, what are you trying to change? How is whatever the process or product, how does it operate today? And why is that a problem? And why do you, in your vision, in your team, see that as something that can be changed and that you can make better? Yeah. You know, and ultimately in our industry, it represents close to about $20 billion annually in the U.S. And when I started, I've been in the industry for close to two decades. Many colleagues, mentors, VPs, and CEOs of companies in our industry were like, this is the stupidest damn thing. Nobody right. will buy this product online. Interesting. Um, and that, it, it hurt, you know? And you would have some that would tell you, oh, it's a good idea. And then you'd hear from another colleague who worked with them, like, oh man, he thinks that's the dumbest shit ever. Wow. And you kind of had to have thick skin. I think anybody does that's trying to bring, you know, not just disruption, but making something better. And ultimately, you know, we're employed by our customers and without the customer, we don't exist. And with thousands that come to us, you know, a day right now, obviously we've figured out that the customers are there and they do need our help. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think that it being. I love what you said. Obviously, it's pretty simple about it's not it's it is about the money, but it's not. You know, I think at some point we we have that realization of what money can do for us or do for the team or do for the community, do for your family. It turns from a selfish perspective to well, what's the abundance, right? How how can it overflow? But I also love the perspective that you just gave around the customer is is who's paying your payroll, you, uh, right. your, you personally as well as your team. But yeah, you've hit you've hit a disruption, probably a level. And, you know, you're doing things in an industry that's, that's old, but I want to get to maybe get into some of those things before I do though, the why that you just gave me the kind of the, it's a bigger picture. There's, there's, you know, maybe a little chip on your shoulder. You kind of gave me a couple of different angles there, which I think was really, really good. Has that always been like that? Did that not happen until that moment? Do you remember being a young kid thinking, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, charge the world, you know, is it not about the money? Like give us a little backdrop. No, no. I mean, I think, I think everybody, you know, when you're growing up, you know, you'd see different, different people you idolize either, you know, on a business level or as, you know, an uncle, a father, you know, a grandmother, so, someone that was very important. You know, the foundation of, of who I am today was my grandmother and she had lost her first husband, remarried, lost that husband. And she was an entrepreneur and I was her only grandchild. And she owned a little grocery store in a small town in Ohio where I grew up. And, you know, she worked her butt off. And eventually, you know, some of the larger grocery chains came in and, you know, she lost the business. But she never lost that drive. And so I remember helping her. It was a little kid. This is so funny. She would sell vitamins. Yeah. And she would, she would do mail order. You know, right. this is before internet. You know, right. So people, people would mail a check and she would put vitamins in, in boxes. And I remember being over there on the weekend, you know, helping her sort zinc from vitamin C or B12 or any of this stuff. Awesome. She just always had that. And I think a, a major impact for me and my wife, the company that I was working for in the industry had been bought twice. And the last buyout we went through was by Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. And I got that first paycheck and it was like employee 3,066 or something. And I was like, whoa. You know, this isn't, I started with a family business and we had built it up on a team and, and did quite well. And so when that happened, in that same period, my grandmother was diagnosed with stage four and she was still in Ohio. We're in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And she called me the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And again, only grandson. She's like, Carson got cancer and the doctor gave me six weeks. And 
I remember talking to my wife and said, you know, hey, I'm going to drive up. I'm going to get grandma. And what vitamin? She's still doing the vitamin game. Wow. And I drove up to Ohio, packed up, you know, everything we could in my F-150 and brought her down. And she was with us for almost seven weeks since she passed. But wow. this is prior to me going out on my own. And two important things. I remember sitting in the sunroom on a December day with her. And we had the windows open because it was rather warm in Chattanooga and there was a slight breeze. And I was talking to her about being in this big entity and how I just thought they weren't taking care of customers. They weren't operating efficiently. And I was like, you know, I kind of want to do this on my own, but I'm scared. And she told me, you know, honey, she was like, I've had a couple businesses. She was like, just go do it. You know, the worst thing that can happen is you fail. And if you were good at what you did, the company you're with or a company similar would hire you back. And it was, it was weird. I'll give you one other point too, but what was yeah. weird is I've, I've found that borrowed confidence mm. is something that's so important. Yeah. And, and friends of mine that have started their own business since I went out on my own, I had one that texted me two weeks ago, general contractor here in Chattanooga, his name's Robert Roberts Construction. And seven years ago, he went out and started his business. And he texted me on the seventh year anniversary. Early in the morning, he said, man, I just wanted to tell you, I was thinking about you this morning. Seven years ago today is when you and I had a conversation. I was going to go work for somebody else. And I went out on my own. And he was like, my life has changed. And, you know, my family is better because of it. And I think that borrowed confidence that my grandmother, Grandma Betty, uh, God bless her, gave me is something that I try to pass on to other entrepreneurs. So, yeah. So good. On that side, you know, there's that. And then the send build, what happened when I left and went to start my first company, the initial company I started with, the family business, when they sold the first time, I'd signed a non-compete. Mm -hmm. And so they were bought, signed a non-compete. Several years later, they were bought by Berkshire Hathaway. And Berkshire Hathaway was like, oh, hell no, you're not going to start your own business. And so in my early 30s, I was sitting in court against Berkshire Hathaway. My wife and I had sold everything, moved to a small condo, and it was wow. scary as shit, Chaz. Yeah. And so for the entrepreneurs and, you know, the people that are, that are listening, you know, to the podcast, I think something that's important to remember is you talked about a chip on your shoulder. I think that's part of it, but I think it's bigger than that. You know, yeah. you've got a vision. There's a lot of scary things. There's a lot of worries, cash okay. flow. How are we going to do this? You know, I've heard the analogy multiple times, you know, being an entrepreneur, starting your own business is like jumping off a cliff and assembling your parachute as you fall down. I think that's so accurate yeah. because there's a lot of times where you go, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And all you do is you just take the next step and you just keep going and surround yourself with people that make you better and challenge you. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. We're just coming off of a weekend, Gathering the King started as a mastermind group even before the podcast. and. So we've got seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners that came actually to my house here in Kansas City. We had a phenomenal weekend, hit the Chiefs game. It was awesome. But we say all that to say that <clears throat> when you walk away from a weekend like that, it's borrowed confidence. Like you just said, I've never had it said like that, but that's exactly what it is. It's borrowed confidence. It's, yeah, I got a chip on my shoulder. I want to go do this thing. But when I lock arms <clears throat> with a community, like you said, even at the beginning, you're like, Rise, rising tide raises all ships. Like the power in that, it's, it's unseen. You can't measure it. But it's, it's literally what propels guys like you and I forward because we're going to go far. Like we're just drivers. We're going right. to do the thing. But yeah. how much more is the thing impactful 
to us, our families, our communities, when we're pushed, encouraged, challenged from, from the guys and, and ladies around us that, that are just as sharp and doing their thing as well. So I just, I just appreciate that perspective. I think that Grandma Betty or another business owner, even the guy that you encouraged to get in business, maybe you're further down the road, I guarantee you when you saw that text message, that fired you up that day. Oh, it absolutely did. And I, I didn't text him. I called him and I was like, your dumbass was going to go work for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> he started laughing. And I think, you know, you, you talk about the group that you were just with, you know, yeah. my, not team, my queen, you know, my wife is very much a, a, a giver of borrowed confidence, confidence to me, yeah. you know, and she worked in, in the business and, you know, that's something that's challenging for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, you know, you've got somebody that has the same vision. That's right. And it's going to work just as hard. And when you have your low points, hopefully they're, they're going back and forth. So when one of you is down, the other one's up and, you know, yeah. whether that's a spouse or it's, you know, a, a business partner or, yep. you know, a head of sales or anything else, you know, putting those people, you know, in place with you along your journey, because yeah. you can't do it alone. There's no yeah. way you can do it alone. Yeah. I loved how you, how you, how you brought that into the, the marriage or the home because support sounds like submission. And we know how that sometimes can, can create some controversy. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reality of it is, is that we each support and that we each, like my wife and I, we have lanes. And so there's things that I submit to her and there's things that she submits to me. And that just seems so like our culture has just, you know, toiled that word. But I love what, how you applied borrowed confidence to it, because that's really what it is. I don't have to necessarily, like... If, I, if I'm feeling whatever sort of way and I can get some borrowed confidence, if my wife's a giver, as you said, of borrowed mm -hmm. confidence, I can go charge the hill the next day. And I will. You probably are the same way. Look, if she just, just breathes a little bit of that borrowed confidence, I'll go beat my <laughs> chest, and run the hill over and over and over again. It's like McConaughey on Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, hey. Dude, oh, yes. Oh. This past weekend, we we did a cold <laughs> plunge and we were, we were yeah. you know, a little, 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 you know, odd for the moment, but it, it. It's camaraderie. It's in that moment of like, yes, you just breathed that into me and now I'm freaking fired up. So let's go. I just appreciate that perspective. I want to get into some practicals here. Early, early on in the business, if you can think back to a, a thing that you decided on, you know, maybe even pre-million dollar revenue. I want to know of a good decision, something super clear that you can look back on and go, boom, I would do it over and over again. And it's something that the listener can maybe take away. I think a really good decision um, there were a lot of bad ones, you know, agreed. One of the, uh, you know, good ones that kind of comes to mind right now, and it, it applies back to kind of your tribe, you know, your team. There was a gentleman that I had worked with as a, the small company we started with, and he kind of went to a different company after the buyouts. Sure. Um, and I went to him, he was on the logistics side. He was older than me and still on our team and, and great guy. He's a, he's a good general. And. I went to him and said, look, I've got this, I've got this vision and, you know, nobody's doing it in our industry. People are doing it outside the industry. And I went to him and said, I need help. And I think that comes back to the good decision, which I think all entrepreneurs should be willing to, to really look at and say, I can't do this on my own. I need help. And that's a hard thing to. It, it's a weird balance, Chad, yeah. in between, yeah. okay, entrepreneur, it sounds like it's one person, you know, you get Ego. images of, yeah, Elon, Steve Jobs, you know, Steve had Waz, 
Elon's got somebody, I don't know who it is. You got a lot of people. And um, that is something you really need to be able to be vulnerable to hear no or yes. You know, I'm, I believe in where you want to go yeah. and I'd like to be part of it. And here's how I contribute. And I think that is something that I think would be helpful. And it, and it was a good decision and has bared fruit, you know, for us and, and our company is being willing to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. And you gave a couple of different on-ramps there. I just want to highlight it for the listener. Not only someone that you would maybe consider bringing on to the team or bringing on as a partner or grandma Betty or your spouse or another entrepreneur. Like there's a lot of different on-ramps there of asking for help. And maybe it's tactical. Maybe it's mindset. Maybe it's borrowed confidence. Like there's, I think, a lot of different on-ramps and then there's a lot of different passing back and forth of what can happen in those moments. But you're right. I think that every entrepreneur can take that away. Why do you think in that moment your instinct was to go ask for help and not try to figure it out yourself? Because I knew that the value of my time was not handling that portion of the business. And I also knew that the expertise um, was so much more in-depth you know, we call, he's a, we, we comedically call him, you know, our logistics Jedi, you know, he's our Obi-Wan in, in yeah. that field. And while I knew that, you know, we could do it, you know, we could get somebody else. I trusted him and yeah. I was like, man, if I can add this building block into our team, it can help us excel faster. And I think that's, you know, that's important. And it's scary when you're making your first hires because you're like, oh God, you know, here's my, here's my catch runway, you know, mm -hmm. my burn's going to go up, you know, but what can I do with that time that I would have been involved in helping with that? Yeah. Well, I can move that over to help build a business faster through sales and get them a customer. What would you say to the guy listening right now who hears you, but he's not hearing you? You started thinking as an architect, how do I architect the team? How do I put people in place, right? Mm -hmm. But so many people, including many of our listeners today listening to you right now, they just got started, right? Which is fine. That's good. Better than yeah. not. Yeah. But they're stuck in the, I'm doing everything. Maybe because they're nervous about hiring somebody. Maybe because they just don't know any different. They haven't thought of architecting or maybe from like an investor perspective. They're more thinking just, I got to feed my family, so I need to go do a project or service a marketing client or whatever. What would you yeah. say to that guy who didn't have that mindset? How does he need to get there? You know, being I'm in the construction field, right? And in background, I've seen large-scale projects being built, you know, multi-$100 million projects, corporate offices, hotels, schools. I saw on the job site that, you know, for our side, you know, it's a mason that's doing the block, that's doing the brick, that's doing the stone. Well, then you had the plumber that's doing the plumbing. You had the electrician running the wire. You had the sheetrock company doing the sheetrock. And then you had the general contractor and their team of the superintendent and a project manager. They were essentially managing all of those groups. And so for the entrepreneur that's going, hey, I got to do this because I got to get you know some money in to pay my bills, you got to take calculated risks. And if you're building a big building, and you've never done electrical work, you're going to sub that out to somebody. Yeah. You're not going to do it yourself because it gets behind schedule. And it really, really, you know, ultimately would be horrible for the project if somebody didn't know what they were doing, tried to do it or knew just a little bit, right. uh, you know, 
you're, you'd turn a light switch on and it would turn the fax machine power off in you know, the other room or something. So I would, yeah. that's my, that's my, how I look at it, Chaz, or how I might express it is, you know, sub out the stuff that doesn't drive your revenue and do that as, as soon as you possibly can. Hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer-to-peer mastermind group specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And at a certain point in business, success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, leveraging key relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven to nine-figure business even to the next level and get around other big hitters just like you, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com, fill out a short application, and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me, and I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon. Yeah, the way that you put it on a large scale of if you were you know, a GC running a $150 million project, Zero chance you or one of your superintendents is going to go install the electrical. Zero chance. Correct. And so the the gap there obviously is is that the guy who's listening doing six hundred thousand and he's got a you know a ten thousand dollar project or a forty thousand dollar project is just so much smaller. So he thinks, well, I'll just I'll get it done myself. It's the same principle though, right? Is like, yeah, is he really the best fit? Is it going to keep it on schedule? Does that really the best use of his time? Could he be going and getting another $40,000 project while someone else is installing the wiring, right? Yeah, I would say, you know, I just add on or throw on onto that, you know, and looking, we had a conversation with either a venture capitalist or, you know, a contractor, I can't recall, it was maybe a month or two ago, and it was about time. And so what ZenBuild does is we compress time, not only for a homeowner, but also for the, the contractor. And yeah. so a con- I'm pretty sure it was a contractor. He was like, man, I spent half my week, you know, driving to physical stores to get samples, to take them back to my clients. And he was like, it's cutting my pro- productivity down yeah. horribly. And I don't have anybody else to do it because I've got guys working in the field and then I own the company. And so he said, you know, I can get on, you know, my iPhone and I can get the samples. I can order or I can get the estimate right off Zen build and I can send it to the customer and let him pick it. And he was like, that just saved me, you know, four hours, you know, on Monday that I can be going out and gain more business. I think that's yep. something for the entrepreneur that's doing the $40,000 job. You know, they've got to kind of look at, you know, what's my time and what's the multiple if I was, I was doing something else and, and kind of look at that. And it's hard, man. I mean, you it's, want to it is. operate your business at hundred percent the way you want to do it. And sometimes it's got to be okay to be like, all right, this, this team member is going to be able to do it 80% of the way I would do it, but I'm able to take that time and, and, you know, drive the business forward, whether it's in sales, whether it's in meeting with partners, vendors, or whatever your business yeah. applies to. Yeah. Carson, I heard a new, a new kind of mindset on this 80%. I've talked about this for many years. The, you know, you, you're not, you stop looking for you, you know, <laughs> your hundred percent's not their hundred percent. Like we got to get, we got to get in the right mind space here, but but hiring somebody at 80% sounds like maybe lowering a standard. And so this thing that got presented to me maybe last week or week before, I can't remember, but he said, look, if you're doing it all, 
literally you might you might be better of that one task than your employee. But if you're doing 17 other things also, zero chance you're at 100%. He's like, most right. likely you're actually at 25, 30, maybe 40%. And so their 80% is literally double as good as you. So it was just like, wow, it was like a really good perspective. Obviously, I'm in agreement. You know, I've been teaching the same thing, but it's like, that was a new perspective. What do you think about that? No, that's great. I, I mean, I, you say 14 different things, try like, you know, 80. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you think about that, I think that's where you also... If if you if you think of it that way, and then you go look, where do I make the biggest impact? Yeah, exactly. And and that that's what you've got to always kind of keep in mind on the bigger vision is: do I need to be spending my time on that, or do I need to empower my team members and go look? I I got your back. Right. Here's our you know here's our values. Here's our vision. If you execute on that, whether it's eighty, seventy, ninety. Yeah. You're doing what we need you to do, and you're representing myself, my wife, you know, our shareholders in our business. And I think empowering the people on your team is really an important thing too. And it's hard to coach people, man. I mean, because some people have it, you know, and have that drive to wake up every morning. You're like, I'm unemployed. I got to make money today. I think that's entrepreneurial mindset. I mean, others are like, okay, I'm going to go to work, you know, hour lunch, you know, be four o'clock or 30, start checking social media, you know, not really be effective it's the guys and gals that give as much as they can you know while they're they're on your clock or you know helping you build your business yeah 100 percent. carson let's flip the coin here let's talk about a bad right. decision that you made something that didn't work out at all we can oh god <laughs> <laughs> that list that that's a big list you know i think something that i regret in the business is we're really stuck in a kind of a, a funnel, if you will, in disrupting what Zenbuild essentially does is the industry has about 1,500 physical distributors all across the country. Okay. And our vision was huge, right? We're like, all right, contractors, B2B, B2C is going to come to you know, our site. They're going to buy product. Right. Well, what I underestimated were the manufacturers of the product, you know, who rely on that distribution network. I thought they'd be like, hell yeah, we're going in on the internet with Carson and Sharon and the team. You know, this is awesome. You know, they've got thousands of shoppers a day on their site. You know, my physical stores might have five people walk in a day. Um, what I underestimated, what was a bad decision that we pivoted from was we were trying to, you know, supply a full bed depth brick, like cladding brick. And I only had a couple of manufacturers that were like, yeah, we'll do that and let you bypass our, you know, disrupt, you know, the distribution network. And I just kept hammering, you know, being in the industry for two decades, you know, I know the CEOs and, and the VPs of sales of all, all the companies and just kept hammering. I'm like, Hey, I've got this customer in Phoenix that wants to buy, you know, a hundred thousand bucks worth of product. And the manufacturers were like, no, no, it's gotta go through this guy. I'm like, well, that guy didn't procure it. You know, it came in through our efforts in, in marketing and, and the platform. And I, we beat that horse for so long. And we finally got to the point that we went, what products would they let us sell? And what market is big enough within it? And so we pivoted over to the thin veneer products, the thin brick and the thin stone, and made that customer journey so freaking amazing. Yep. that the experience online and on Zen Build was so much easier and so much faster and transparent in pricing 
yeah. that I wish we would have done that earlier instead of trying to just take on, you know, the Goliath of we want to do all this and just go and go and go. Yeah. The, you know, vendors and partners on our platform, which we have over half the industry on our platform now from, you know, back when we were trying to do that, we were maybe 3%. Right. If we would have done that earlier, you know, we would have been further down the road than we are. And I think that time, you know, I'd love to go back and talk to younger Carson, you know, at 33, 34 and be like, do this. And right. this is why, because you're going to spin your wheels. And to the entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out if they're an entrepreneur that is disrupting, something I think that's really important to think about is, you know, those of us that can see the future, we have an idea and the 99% of your industry or your sector that doesn't think that's a good idea, you know, they could be right, but they could also be wrong. Right. And you, you really kind of have to be a little self-aware and a little delusional, you yeah. know, when you're going after, you know, a big vision. Yeah, you're right. And so it, it obviously puts you in a position now where you say you regret, but it's, it's what got you to dial in to what you have now. And so yeah. sometimes you have to be a little delusional to take that risk of let's take on everything in order to then finally get to where you are now. So I, I just appreciate yeah. both, both of those perspectives. Did you feel that like through that process of niching down or, or dialing in, obviously you said it, it, it allowed you to like really, really tighten up your customer experience. Was there any other benefits that you could think of? I mean, we got lots of different industries listening of, of focus or of niching other than being able to speak directly to your customer through the process and really make it like this beautiful thing. Or is there something else inside of that you want to mention? Maybe ask me, ask me that in a different way, Chaz. I want to make sure I understand that to give you the best. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so what you the, the pivot that you made was you niched. You you mm -hmm. you narrowed your focus of product, which then allowed you, you said, to be able to make this super dialed in customer experience. Mm -hmm. Was was that the biggest thing that came out of that? Was there anything else that came out of you narrowing the focus? Yes. Yeah, the opportunities in narrowing the focus that would have presented themselves that were outside of just our core, you know, function as a business started to present themselves. And that wouldn't have, if we hadn't have narrowed okay. and really fine tuned because our, our partners and vendors and even customers started seeing how easy it was. And then our growth started and then our reach got bigger. And so, you know, on the manufacturing side, we had one manufacturer that was like, we've never had a, you know, we know you guys are e-commerce and you're servicing the entire country and not just, you know, Kansas city, you know, one certain market, like you guys grew, you know, nearly 90% one year over year in, in product and you're shipping product into places that we don't even have distribution. Right. And that came with an opportunity, which we then later developed into, you know, a marketing service agreement or, Hey, you know, we've got our spend that we put out our marketing. If you want to, it's. Grandma Betty, it's a grocery store. You want to put, you know, your product, you know, on that front shelf, you know, there's, there's some payment that comes along to that in that marketing service agreement, you know, allows our manufacturers to get more of their product out to the customers that are shopping, you know, on the internet. So this product niche. And I think yeah. that was an opportunity that wanted to come, um, because we weren't even, you know, we weren't looking at that. We were just like, Hey, we're going to do this and this charge forward, charge forward, charge forward. And I think that is definitely something that came out of narrowing focus. 
Yeah, it, it's funny. I want to point this out for the listener. I, maybe they felt the same way listening, but you said you narrowed, meaning you took away things. Mm -hmm. and, and what was left was more opportunity. Right. Which is a conundrum in itself. But how that works is that because you narrowed it in, because you were able to speak a very specific language or because you were able to solve a very specific problem, then the opportunities came out because they understood. It was so dialed in. They were like, oh, I see what you're doing here. I need to get on the bandwagon. Yeah. Where before yeah. taking on the whole giant, it's kind of like, yeah, we've already got to kind of get this figured out. We don't really have a problem. You're not really solving anything for us. If anything, you were making it harder for them because they already had these relationships with the dist distribution network. Right. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's what scared them. I mean, yeah, on the manufacturing side, you know, they didn't see it. You know, they didn't see us as a painkiller. You know, the customer is in pain. The customer is taking so much time. It's costing them money. Yeah. They, they're like, our customer is the network, the distribution network, not the end user. And so that end user, I can't remember which book, talked about Steve Jobs always put an empty chair, right? At Amazon's table. Who's that represent? That represents the customer. It's like the customer wasn't in, you know, our industry at the level they should have been, in, in my opinion. And so focusing on that customer and how we make it easier in the niche created so much more opportunity because it was like messaging clear. And then the manufacturers were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yep. You know, we're on board with that. And so again, you know, assembling that parachute, you know, as you're going off the cliff, you know, that's one of the things that, that happened while we were assembling the parachute. Yeah, it's so good. I want to switch over to our speed round. I'm going to come at you in a little different angle with some questions. Yeah, my first question is around KPIs. Yep. I'll give it to you to a couple of different directions or a couple of different ways. I'm really wanting to know your most important KPI but I'm going to say it as if you could only track one forever and ever, what would it be? Customer conversions daily. Okay. Okay. Give us, give us a little bit behind the scenes on that. So if I look at the amount of people that are coming to site and we're not having, you know, what our benchmark is for transactions a day, that's a problem. Yep. And that's where I know we need to focus in because we've got the, the customers coming if they're not purchasing, why? Mm. Is it something we've done wrong? Is it an update we've done that makes it harder to check out? Are we not providing enough information? You know, the customers are your lifeblood. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the listener to your e-commerce. And so that conversion tactic is good. And maybe they're not e-commerce, but it's a, it's a pipeline KPI, right? Find Definitely. out how many people are coming to the pipeline, but then nobody's coming out of the pipeline. There's an issue with the pipeline. There's something wrong with the pipeline. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's good. Carson, what book would you recommend for a business owner trying to grow? I mean, I, I got tons. Can I give you two, Chaz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, well, give us two. You know, kind of on the uh, macro, you know, just theory, philosophy side. Yeah. There's a book called The Alchemist okay. by uh, Pablo Coelho, I believe. Oh. I, I, have, I even had my kids listen to it. Oh, and it's it. essentially the gist is what you're looking for may be right where you're at. Mm. what you're building and what you're trying to find might be right where you're at, not out in the desert or in, in another country. On the business side, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog, I think I've read it six times, dude. When he gets the tax bill for importing shoes and it's like $70 million. And I can just imagine him in Oregon opening that letter going, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> How are we yeah. going to get through this? I think that is a phenomenal for an entrepreneur at any level, whether yeah. it's, you know, six figures or, you know, in figures. I think that's a great book. Yeah, it really, it and it's entertaining. It, it's easy. It's, although thick, it's, a, it's an easy read. 
Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs specifically? I think if you don't do it, you're missing a lot of, you know, we call it our tribe. I've got a workout tribe. My wife's are CrossFit people. Yeah. Uh, that's my workout tribe. I've got my entrepreneur tribe, me, buddies that own factoring companies, logistics companies, restaurants, some that I don't even know what they do. John's a buddy of mine. <laughs> they, they extract THC from hemp and there you go. I mean, it's a cool stuff, but I mean, we essentially yes. are all, you know, doing the same thing in different areas. And so the pain points, I would encourage anybody to, you know, get a group. I've got a buddy of mine, mine today, Mark Baker, entrepreneur. I think he sold two businesses. He was like, lunch. And I'm like, no, man, I'm busy today. And he was like, I miss us. But struck the last bit. And I was like, I miss us too, Baker. You know, those are the people you call on the yeah. high days, Chaz, and on yeah. the days where you're going, what the hell am I going to yeah. do? You know, and. And Zen Builds had those, you know, as, as we started and, you know, as we continue to grow and you've got to have somebody that's like-minded yeah, that can go, man, it's going to be all right. You know, have you thought about this? Or just take a breath, calm down. So, I think it's yeah, very those, important to have that. Those group. things that we already know, um, mm-hmm. but we're, we're so far into the forest, we can't see the trees. I've got, uh, I've got one more question here for you. All right. Carson, if you could whisper into the younger Carson's ear, what would you say? Wow. That's a great question, Chaz. How, how young am I? How young am I going? That is a great follow-up question. And I'm going to let you determine that. Mm. I think parts of the answer would be trust your gut. And take the step. I wish I would have started sooner. You know, you, you help, you learn your skill, right? Which is important with the 10,000 hour rule. I could have started so much sooner than what I did, but I was scared, you know, and I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to ask for help. I just kind of went to work, killed it. was a top performer. I would have told myself, you know, trust your gut, you know, and, and, and take action. Yeah, it's good. Carson, how can the listener find you, whether they need to order some product from yeah. uh, your website, yeah, yeah. or maybe they just want to reach out and connect with you as an entrepreneur? How can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. You'd be happy to. Best way to get me is email address. You know, my personal email is Carson, C-R-S-O-N, at zenbuild.com. And then our website, of course, is zenbuild.com. If you type in Zen or Build or Thinbrick or Thinstone, we don't pop up. Email me because I pay Google a shit ton of money. And so <laughs> I need to make sure that we are, but... In yeah. every area of the country. In every, every area of the country. So, yeah, and I think that it's good. And, you know, by no means, I think any of us, you know, on the entrepreneurial side that have built businesses and, you know, have scaled would say we don't have all the answers. You know, yeah. I've, got, I've got two buddies I know that are billionaires that have done extremely well. And they are like, that's a good idea. I mean, that's a stupid idea. Or, you know, I don't know about that. And I think that's, you know, that's something that we all should do you know, to help each other. And so, yeah, I'd welcome any of the listeners, you know, especially if they're in the construction side, we probably have a lot in common, you know, feel free to reach out. We have to talk to you. That's right. Well, you've been incredible. Thank you for giving of your time and your experience and knowledge. We wish you nothing but blessing on your family and your business, your team, all the people that you're affecting across the country. Thank you for being here, Carson. Jazz, it was awesome. Pleasure, buddy. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. 
More importantly though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.